Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Anatomy of a Movie. We're going to talk Secret Life of Pets, which is oddly similar to Homeward Bound 2 and Toy Story. And we're going to talk about that. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to New York, where the pets live. Uh, the Secret Life of Pets, the latest movie out. Man, we're going to be talking about it. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. We have Stephanie Wenger. Hi. And uh, we assume you've seen the movie, so welcome. If, you, if this is your first time, we're going to break it down. Story, uh, animation in this case, more so than cinematography, the voice acting, um, the music. Obviously, we hear Taylor Swift. Um, and we'll talk promotion, which this had a lot of great kind of creative promotion behind it. And we'll talk box office numbers and kind of get at the science of all of it. Uh, you can always download our rundown in the in the description. There's a link to the rundown, so that way you get kind of all the notes that you know supplements our discussion points. Um, but as always, let's start with overall impressions, Marissa. Well, you know, I had high expectations for this movie because Illumination's so good with you know Despicable Me, and then Minions was a big hit, and I had high expectations for being a fun kids movie. The promoting, the promotion, marketing for this film was actually on point. It was pretty great, and I was really excited to see this. Watching it, I don't feel like this movie could have was very solid. I think the story wasn't original. It had its fun moments here and there. I think the acting, the voiceovers from some characters were a little too much for me to enjoy it. I'm glad it was a short movie. (laughs) But it had its fun moments, but overall, it wasn't anything mind-blowing. I really liked the movie, but I didn't love it. So I guess I'm in a similar boat to you in that capacity. I had really high expectations. I loved the trailer. But I wanted um, just a little more from it. Or maybe in some points in the movie, I felt like it could have been a better short, like a 10 or 15 Mm -hmm. minute something like that. They had really funny moments, but there were definitely points where I was like, oh, this is really cliche. But I thought the voiceover work, unlike you, was really great. I liked Jenny Slate a lot. I thought she brought a lot to the movie. I, I, I really wanted to like this, and I, I think, you know, as, as we discuss it, the, the nugget that w- this all started with was the love of pets and things like that. And we've seen, you, you know, all these movies, like Zootopia was a great movie, but it's about animals being like humans. This is, as I said, you know, at the top, it, it's similar to Toy Story in that way where, okay, humans go away, and then in that movie, toys are, become themselves. In this case, pets really become themselves, and that's a cool idea because it's so relatable. Uh, you know, most 65% of America owns pets. So that's obviously a very high percentage of people. So, you know, there's something there. And to see that, and, and, and we can all relate to it, but it just didn't hit in the right way. You know, I, I felt uh, even though the movie's less than 90 minutes, it felt like it was just still too long. Like they were just putting stuff in to fill time. Uh, you know, I, I thought realistically, like from a story perspective, you know, they they could have had a 70-minute movie and they would have been really tight. Now, obviously, that's tough to put out in a theatrical release. Um, but, yeah, it just I, – I was looking forward to it. didn't hit in the right ways, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with that. But much like Minions, I think, where Minions made $1.1 billion, uh, I think – I don't know if this will go that high, but I think this will make a lot of money – but much like with last year's Minions, people will be like, yeah, it's okay. 
The kids will enjoy it, but... Well, it's interesting that you say that because Universal, we'll get into this in a little bit, is definitely banking on this movie. They're already planning theme park attractions with it and all of the stuff. So it's interesting that, like, I wonder if it will translate into sequels and all of that as well. I mean, I'd be down for a sequel. It's not... I'm I'm not saying I'm not... Like, this universe, I like the universe that they built. I like the characters that they built. Now just do something with them that's maybe a little bit more interesting and fun. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we, we talked about in multiple anatomies that I think sometimes simple stories really do work. And this is a kids movie, and it had a very simple story. But it was a story that we've already seen before, Homeward Bound and whatnot. Two. Homeward Bound Homeward 2. Homeward Bound 2. Lost <laughs> in know, San Francisco. Like, but, like... <laughs> pets going away and trying to find their way back. It's not an original story. And I think if you're going to have a kid's film with so many out there and that are so well done these days, especially with Disney and everything that they're producing, and like not to compare these two because this movie holds no flame to any Disney movie, but I, I think their story could have been really engaging and kind of original, and it wasn't. Well, I, 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 I felt... I felt the pets had to be too ADD, and you know, uh, you know, one of the things that they liked was the idea of that. Um, obviously, when, when the Orin goes away, and Max, even though it's like literally twenty seconds, he feels like it's it, for him. It was a lifetime, right? And so I, I felt like that kind of idea was just placed throughout, where everything was just so ADD, and they, the animals themselves couldn't hold an attention span, and it did a disservice to the movie. I, my favorite part of the movie actually was the the intro, the first 15 to 20 minutes when we're just getting introduced to Max and like his posse of friends. And I felt like that was really interesting. And then you can't have a movie that lasts two hours that is just like in an apartment building. So you have to bring it out into the city. And I just wanted something beyond animal control. I felt like that was like the obvious choice of like, oh, them being caught by animal control. Oh, the dog walker's not paying attention. It just felt like many cliches in a row. But that being said, still a fun adventure. I I don't know. I guess I'm just not as like... I wanted to love it, and, and I never got there. Yeah, exactly. Again. I like how you bring up the whole animal control. That was probably the one thing that was kind of holding them back. But even that's not an original story, because I just keep thinking Lady and the Tramp, you know? So it, Homeward Bound 2. <laughs> Homeward Bound 2. And like, but all these movies that deal with animation and, and animals and whatnot, we've seen them, but it was all mixed together in this film. I think... Okay, so... To me, right, you said there's a simpleness to it. The, I, th- I think it went a little bit too complicated in the sense, you know, you had you had all these animals that hated humans, and, and that was an interesting element to it. But I, I felt if they made it literally just more simpler in, in the sense of Max versus the new dog and and taking that to its full extent, we could have been better. Rather than, okay, now, now they're gone and whatnot, and now they have to get back. And it, that seemed too obvious to me you know the, the the fact of like when max is like oh you know what you don't have a history here so i'm gonna break everything and it's gonna be on you well i felt like ellie kemper's character max's owner was definitely underutilized in this i felt like you could have a, a whole movie about like max trying to be the better dog exactly what you're saying and and fighting for her attention and she kind of comes in and out and has these great moments with the dogs but we we I think that human interaction is what you said it's um, 65% of Americans have dogs or have 
animals and you just kind of feel like that that human interaction is part of that and i felt like that was missing in in some of the movies yeah like i do like your point phil saying that you know max set up duke to fail and have him you know destroy the house and whatnot but even that joke that that i mean that could have that was set up nicely but it was a literally brushed over because she's we saw the character go back to the apartment she's like oh whatever and that she literally shrugged it off. So it, it was a big setup for nothing. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I, I guess in many ways, too, like, the movie's... Co- it, it comes down to a simple thing, that, as I realize it now. The movie's called The Secret Life of Pets, right? And, you know, pets wandering through the streets and perhaps wanting to get home, like, it's not that much of a secret, mm-hmm. right? In, in the sense, like, you could see that anywhere. It, you know, you can imagine animals doing this. Whereas, like, um, the poodle... That is throwing the party that's supposed to be this clean, pristine, uh, you know, I- I- image of a dog mm-hmm. um, and yet just wants to listen to System of a Down. That to me is more interesting. And then again, the, the, the interpersonal relationships within that, I thought, you know, you can make this like high society of just pets and what they really do in their own, their goals, right? Uh, going back to like the, the, the girl who watches uh, La Passion, whatever the telenovela oh, was. Yeah. Like that, that's cool, you know, yeah. and I, I think having their own agendas and stuff to do. I also thought that, again, with that same character, Jenny Slate's character, uh, she has like this crush on Max and it's like such a like b or c plot and you could push that way up and have like who has like essentially have a high school of of pets if you will like how because that's really what they are it's like a high school mentality within this pet world i agree mm-hmm. um so the inspiration chris melon dandry uh the founder of the founder and CEO of Illumination, you know, he got this idea where he, he grew up with pets. They used to have cats, dogs, and even a bird. And, um, you know, he was like, what, what, what is it like when we're gone? And that's where, the, again, the nugget really took off. Um, you know, uh, some of the stories come from The Far Side by Gary Larson. Um, and, you know, the writing team, Cinco, Paul, and it's a, Brian Lynch and Ken Dory. Um you know, it's an interesting story of how they kind of started writing it. Well, it's something like I have a pet at home and I definitely think about like what the pet does all day. I think we all do. And now there's like apps where you can watch your pet. Like it is something that's very much right now, like with technology, something that I think a lot of people are thinking about. So I get where the inspiration came from. I just feel like there were a million ways to take it. If you're just thinking about like what happens when the door shuts. Well, there's a million things, ways you can go with that story. Again, it's a very simple story. And it's fun to watch because it, it's different to see what a dog would do compared to what a cat would do or, you know, or what a bird would do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I liked it. It's simple. <laughs> but, again, what I'm saying is, they, like, what they wanted to strive for, they, they did so much research and, like, you know, they, when they wrote it, they had pets on their laps and whatnot. And what they liked was that each of these animals – um, has a personality. And when you talk to any, like, pet owner, uh, you know, they'll describe the person ad nauseum, even though, like, the pet's looking at you like, it's probably the same look, right? Um, I have two dogs of my own, so I, I, I know that. Um, but, again, we didn't see that. It, it's just them being forced to come home, you know? And I wanted I wanted their agendas to shine through. Like, let, let that be the inspiration rather than an external force where, okay, like, they have to get back. Was it weird to you that all of this was supposed to happen in one day? That I 
uh, when I saw like their pet owners coming home at the end of the movie, that was actually something that really bothered me. That uh, allegedly this whole story of them like getting lost, going to a sausage fight, all of these things all happened in the course of like one work day. Mm-hmm. Are we? I, like, I don't know why that really bothered me. No, I noticed that too because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it seems like no time has really passed, and she would never have known. Yeah, and I think. But also, this is a kids' movie, so hopefully things would be wrapped up pretty quickly for a bit of the story. But my question was, like, how far away from the apartment did they actually get that dictates how long it takes for them to get back? Well, they were in Brooklyn, right? So they had to, like, figure out their way back to the city at one point because they were—that's where um, Eric Stone Street's character, like, grew up Duke. or— lived yeah. yeah well i don't know new york yeah but i mean i'm kind of glad that it was actually wrapped up in a day yeah i mean i i think to bring an element of them being gone again it kind of feels like toy story where he's like oh where's woody where's buzz i don't know or again both homeward bounds of them trying to find these pets so i enjoyed that you know secrecy again i mean is this a normal day for them? No. <laughs> but it was, you know, it's it's all kept secret and they're, now they're back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I could have just used an element of maybe the pet owners, at least one of the pet owners, like coming home early from work and figuring out like they're missing and maybe having that be some level of, of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I actually liked is the, the animal interactions with each other. Um, you know, we had the dogs interacting with the cats, the cats interacting with bunnies, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I liked how each species, you know, like really was kind of judgmental in certain ways. Like, oh, you're domesticated. Okay. And it's like, oh, you're this kind of pet. You're this. And I thought that was an interesting element to kind of, and I I think also very relatable to today's society and maybe try to teach kids of, even though we're all animals, that this is how we treat each other. And I thought that was interesting that they added kind of some profiling there. Yeah, it was. I I agree. I thought they did it in a really like fun and light way. Obviously, there you can take it in much more serious implications in our own society. But the way they handled it in the movie was really funny, and I thought that Kevin Hart um, as Snowball was really funny to me. I I thought like because you expect him to be super R rated all the time, and he was not in this. Well, we'll talk about Kevin Hart certainly a little bit more at length, but just, you know, one one of the tough things for them was figuring out, okay, where are we going to set this? And New York makes the most sense because it has, you know, everything so um, within the same vicinity, so you can have so many different pets, so many different owners, and you're right, Marissa, then then you can have those elements of uh, being judgmental versus, like, if you're in a suburb place... You know, you're kind of too spread out. Right. True. Um, And so that's what makes this interesting is that you have all the, you know, like just five feet from you, there's all these, you know, domesticated animals versus like all the street animals. And um, and then they start a fight. Yeah. I think it was also very funny that uh, you can obviously tell this was very biased towards dogs and not towards cats. Like, I'm more of a dog person myself, so I found it really humorous that they love the dogs, but every time a cat came on screen, there was, like, some disdain. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, especially the the one cat that was in the street that looked de- decrepit and whatnot. They're like, what happened well, to you? That was a scary cat. It was a scary cat. <laughs> but I love that there was so much dog love in this movie. But to that cat, at the same time, you know, it, it does say, like, you should see the other guy. Or you should see the dog, you know? So at the end of the day, the cat won that fight. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. It was just, it was really funny to see so much dog love. I mean, they clearly, they had other animals. Like, they showed, I think, a fish and, like, a, there were little, like, they wanted to make it clear that other animals outside of dogs. But this was truly, I felt, like, a dog story in in, in so many oh, yeah. ways. I mean, there was even some lines. that like, obviously, your owner can't love you as much, love a cat as much as they love a dog, you know, yeah. ex- those kind of lines. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, I, I think it's reflective of... Uh, pet owners, right? That obviously, there's a whole cat, cats versus dogs, this and that, and like that's you know, decades worth of like debate over which pet is better. Mm-hmm. But the fact that someone had a hawk as a pet, that's you know, that definitely <laughs> went. Uh, the hawk was cool. Yeah, I the hawk it. was cool. It takes it takes special someone to definitely have a hawk as a pet. Yeah. You know, uh, and I always get what what are they called? Is it whatever they call the profession. Not a bird trainer, but like there's there's a more technical term for it. Um, uh, I forget. Yeah, yeah well, anyway. think about that. Um, so I thought I thought that was definitely interesting. And again, in a place like New York, you can have these uh, these people and these pets. Well, I think also in New York, you have everybody's like in a melting pot. That's like what a city is, and so to have the pets also be kind of this melting pot of like the old young. Um, Every type they had, like, the bird living on the roof in that creepy shed. Like, all of that. And so you kind of see all walks of life in pets. And that was really cool, too. I really liked that. Yeah. Absolutely. What was your what was your guys' favorite pet, just out of curiosity? I liked the hawk. The hawk was awesome. And he actually came in handy. Because you thought the way that they established him, he seemed menacing and scary. Is like, okay, this is someone to look out for. But he actually was the lookout, and he became the eyes, and he became an ally, and he actually had a purpose amongst all the pets. I was like, he was pretty cool. Yeah, I liked Gidget, uh, Jenny Slate's character. I thought she did a great job. See, the problem with the hawk is that eventually he kept trying to go back to his natural instinct, and although uh, now that he's friends with these people, you know, they're going to subdue it a little bit, eventually he's got to (laughs) eat. He's got to do He's got to, you know, he's still a hawk in -hmm. New York. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I like that they didn't show that part of it, which is funny. Um, I'd be curious to know who you guys at home thought was your favorite sort of pet on screen. Uh, the cat to me was funny, too. Uh, the domesticated one, the fat one. Uh, that, I thought that was funny. Poor cat. And when he says, like, I don't care about you or your problems. Yeah. But you're my friend. <laughs> I loved, um, I, I think it was at the beginning of the film where the cat is, jumps into the refrigerator and is, like, eating all of it. Like, Oh, yeah. Just yeah. can't stop. It's yeah. Chloe. Yeah. The chicken. Yeah. Chloe the cat. Chloe the cat. And then it's like, and then you think Chloe's done and it's like, then she sees, like, the pie or the cake. And I was like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> it's amazing. And then you just see her, like, overweight in the rest of the movie. Yeah, I wonder what this human. I would like to see what that human thought when they came home and like, what? Why is the chicken? That was one of my biggest like issues in the film. Is I wanted more human reaction to some of this stuff. Like we saw things happen, and it was like they destroyed the apartment, and then 
like you don't get much of those reactions and i wanted a little more of that i know that it is a movie about pets and obviously that should be the main focus but just like a smidge more yeah but that, that is the part of it you know it, it's yes it's about pets but it's about them interacting with humans and then hiding you know those certain elements yeah um so i like that and, you know just even when it, I, I liked moments when max was upset um when 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 duke came in you know he was shouting he was he was Shouting at her in the bathroom, but all she hears is barking. <laughs> she's like, "What did you do? Yeah, go on, go on." Yeah. So, um, all right. So Louis C.K. Um, obviously plays Max. You know, they did say they didn't go into full details about what was improv, but they did say there was some improvisation, and they let him kind of play with it a little bit. And uh, Max related to you know Max's dog from New York. Louis C.K. is from New York, so it made sense to him. Yeah, I think, like, he did a good job of making Max really likable. Like, Mm -hmm. I think if you didn't have that character be really, like, something that you wanted to watch this movie would be pretty terrible. You would just have all this, like, mess of characters. So he really did a good job, like, leading the crew. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple Louis C.K. things, and I think he's just super talented and a comedic guy in and of himself and i think it was great for him to have a voice that was somewhat funny at some points but also serious and i feel like that's what his show is the louis ck show is there's a lot of funny moments but a lot of serious moments as well and i think it was definitely in his wheelhouse to voice max mm-hmm. i agree what about duke because obviously you know if duke and max don't work on screen then there's a problem yeah i i love eric stone street he's amazing in modern family and it was funny to see the establishment of duke because yes he has the physical features to be overbearing and somewhat scary and that's what was kind of offsetting to me because i know eric stone street from modern family he's like the big lovable bear and everyone loves him and uh to have a character that you're not sure of it was kind of like oh where, where did this come from so i thought it was pretty cool um to see a different side of eric's voicing acting ability i agree with you i really like eric stone street and i thought i think this is his first time uh voicing a character in a movie like this, an animated feature. Um, but I uh, I thought he did a good job. And also, it's such a fun way of having, like, the big dogs are often the kindest dogs. Like, mm-hmm. And he's, like, this huge dog, and you would think, like, he's going to be awful. And he, he really isn't in the end, and, and I appreciated that, that they kind of stuck with that, like, the big, kind dog. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, and it was, it was more so Max kind of pushing his personality on duke but there there were moments like when when duke suggests you know hey let's let's share the bed one night you and you know so you can see like (laughs) well you know you definitely feel for max of whoa you know while while he may not be mean like there's certain rules here and like you're 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 changing up not respecting him at all (laughs) yeah yeah for being a newcomer he's definitely overstaying his welcome and certainly with the dog bowl too in the morning it's like, it says, I don't know if you read that. It says Max on it. Yeah, I just lo- I think that that I took that as like you're a big dog. You think all the food is for you. Like I don't think he was like doing it out of a mean intention. But yeah, definitely not being respectful that Max lived there too. Yeah, I, I was very surprised with the storyline that they set up for Duke. Um, we we know that he was also a rescue, quote unquote. But to have his backstory of actually having 
a really lovable pet owner and then just end up dying. I'm surprised they went kind of dark with that for a kid's film. Like, oh, he's dead. That's it. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, as dark as, at least then it makes Max go, oh. Okay. Because it was also, you know, as, as we get to Snowball, it was very important for them to make sure that, that Duke liked humans versus becoming, you know, the, this rebel gang of animals that are like, uh, you know, stupid humans and start the revolution. So as dark as it may be, it served that purpose very easily. I thought that they were going to have um, Duke's family have a new dog. Like... Still uh-huh. living there, but like see them like playing with or again it would but then it would have led Duke to be very hateful of humans. Interesting. I see. I would have. Yeah. I guess I can see that. I, I saw it as more so that like okay because he legit doesn't have a family to go back to. This is his new family with you know Max and the owner. Yeah, that makes sense. Speaking of the uh, the revolutionaries, let's talk about Snowball, who you liked. Um, Kevin Hart, you know, they, they went after him specifically. They, they showed him some pictures, um, and he jumped at the opportunity because it wasn't a one-note type of character. It was, uh, you know, he had multiple. He went from fluffy and cute to being just this insane dictator. Yeah. What I liked about the character was that it, um, for being, like, obviously he's, like, an evil force or, like, the things that they're fighting against. And um, he still came off as somewhat likable to me. Like, and I don't know how he did that, but it was, it worked for me. Interesting. I thought Kevin Hart was too much in this film. I think I, I think they knew what, what happened was they knew they had Kevin Hart. Yeah. And I think they just kept putting him in, in more spots than was necessary. I, th- yeah. I think they could have done, uh, you know, it's... It's the same thing that I talked about with Trainwreck. Like, they had um, Amy in that movie, and and it's a very long movie, and obviously she's a very funny person. But cut her down, and you're now leaving, you know, the moments that you leave in are that much heightened versus, you know, I, I think they just were like, well, we can't cut Kevin Hart. We'll just let him go. Yeah, and I think that's where he went a little too lax on the improvisation that you can tell in voiceovers, like, he would just keep going on and on on the same joke, especially, like, during during the moments when all the street animals are mourning over the loss of the snake, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, vengeance and justice, whatever, X, Y, and Z. But, like, I felt there were so many moments with Snowball that he was just over the top just saying things. For people to listen to him, and it didn't really hit as jokes. Well, he had like a clear juxtaposition to um, Max. Max was like this kind of thoughtful foil, like, yeah, a foil, like a very calm, yeah, character. I don't want to say calm, but a like thoughtful character for sure. And it felt like uh, Snowball was a little more like wild and crazy. So it, it set up a, a nice like two universes, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, again, to me, it, it, he was funny, but it would have been better had he... Because uh, I, I also question how... It was always funny to me the number of animals that actually followed him. Only because, you know, uh, the fact that everyone sort of knew that these were domesticated animals. <laughs> and he's like so trusting them. These guys killed a bunch of humans! Alright, they're with us. 
It's like, right, why don't we get that verified somehow? Yeah. yeah, and that was also another dark moment in the movie that I was surprised. They're like, oh, they're going for killing. And they're actually enjoying these stories about killing their owners. I'm like, what? Yeah, I felt like I didn't need the whole... Cr- there were like... I don't know how many, 50, 100, peop- 100 animals that were following. Snakes, crocodiles, cats. Yeah. And, but that's also like Toy Story 3, all the misfit toys. Yeah. And like, In these are all, yeah, the, these are all the misfit, you know, animals. Yeah, I, but I just felt like I would have preferred him to have a, a smaller crew. Like a, a maybe five or ten. Maybe ten. Well, is, yeah. that, is the reason that, you know, now it feels a little bit off in the sense that Here's Snowball who gets a family at the end, and, but the rest of the and you know has that arc versus all these other animals are still dark and yeah. left in the streets. That really bothered me. I wanted to know what happened to the other animals. Uh, not right. that I needed more time in this movie, but I just like had a real curiosity, and it made me wonder if like can you do a sequel about like all the misfit pets? Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You might just get that. Yeah. <laughs> But I think also, like, the the jokes about the snake. It's like, oh, you have to be bitten by the snake. And I'm like, where is this going? And I felt, you know, Snowball, like, that was a three-minute buildup of something that literally went nowhere. Yeah. And there there was just too much. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, th- I thought this, you know, this was literally the middle part. And I thought they could have shortened down the middle part. And, it, again, it would have made for a much shorter movie. But I think it w- it would have done a service to them. Yeah, I felt like this movie. I agree with you. Could have either been trimmed a little bit and still and been a a short movie, but a, still a full feature film. Or I would have really liked this. As I know, they do it at the beginning of all these animated films, like a ten or fifteen minute short about the secret life of pets. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I I would have liked to like the time you would have lost by trimming some of that stuff down. You've been saying it, and we've kind of like th- there's other places they could have added time to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. So, or just you know, I mean, it, it you know what I mean. This is very un-American. I feel like, but no, but in the sense that like, okay, call it the Secret Life of Pets and have multiple short story type things, and then eventually somehow they enter. Weave, well, you know, I mean, so like episodic rather than a movie. Well, yeah, in the, in the sense like like a Tarantino type. Or I was going to mm. say like Valentine's Day. They do all of those. Like Gary Marshall does Valentine's Day and so New good. Year's Eve and all of those. And you have it with people. And if you had these like short little stories mm. and somehow could interweave them, and I don't think it's been done. And correct me if I'm wrong with an animated film before, but it would be really cool to do. Yeah, yeah. I think work on that, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's uh, Secret Life of Pets 2 for you right yeah. there. Um, what other animals slash uh, actors did you did you guys absolutely love? Well, you loved Gidget. I loved Gidget. Um, I just Kenny thought Slate. she was really just like such a fun, sweet character. She reminded me of like a middle school girl. And I think that that's ultimately what she was kind of after. Just like... All in her own head and just like super crush, <laughs> super crush. Just like I don't know. I I thought and I think she's adorable. Like the way they animated her, her was really cute as well. I you know, I like that too. That, that was a good point. Like 
a teenage girl. I was like, yeah, believe that. Mm. Um, also because Gidget kind of had two sides too. She was soft and fluffy and sweet on one aspect, and then when she needed answers and whatnot, she you know slap the crap out of a bird or like whatever, whatever animal. Protecting her man. Yeah. yeah. So like then she would flip and be like actually serious, and oh, it was like uh, a really fun character to have like two different sides. And she was also in Zootopia, so this is not her first like go around right. with the animated. See, I know Marcel the Shell. <laughs> and then she was also in Parks and Rec. So like she has a very recognizable voice. So every time I heard her, I was like, yeah, that sounds like her. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I I, I like the the notion that telenovelas have rotted her mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um and interestingly enough, her owners were modeled after Louis C.K. and Ellen DeGeneres. I don't know why why those two, but just yeah, interesting. Up. And when I was doing the research, that was, I remember her owners from the film, and that was not that would not mm-hmm. be the two people I would think of when I lo- when I looked at those owners. So that was really interesting to me in the research. Yeah. So it is what it is. She's uh, a big dog person herself. Uh, uh, Ellen or Jenny Slate? Uh, Jenny Slate. Ah. And she she owns a dog herself. Yeah, as well. she actually told a great story. I think in the promotion for this film about the adoption of her dog and how she was having like the worst time in New York, and then found this dog and mm-hmm. all of that. I think it was on um, Colbert. But. Yeah, I'm surprised there's no like rescue fund associated with this. You, you would know. think. You would think. Yeah. There's PetSmart and Pet uh, Smart. McDonald's I and whatnot. Def- GoPro. I definitely got my dog a PetSmart toy from The Secret Life of Pets, and she's obsessed with it, so I feel pretty <laughs> pretty good about that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right on. Um, all right, so there's uh, there's plenty of Easter eggs in this movie that, that we can kind of talk about, but, um, you know, there's, there's sometimes fun. Like, the license plate on the animal control truck says, Gotcha 3. I mean, uh, yeah, okay. I, when I noticed that, I was like, oh, that's kind of amazing. Like, the, I, I mean, all the details are so thought out in this movie. Like, those kinds of details. No, that was one of their uh, main things, too, was that, uh, obviously, like, as much as they talk, it was, it was more in the details and whatnot. And so they spent a lot of time focusing on background um, items, whether the pets or, or whatnot, and obviously in New York, but... Um, yeah, so it's interesting that you definitely bring that up. Yeah, there, there were a couple others that I noticed while watching the film. Because um, we know this this film came out from Illumination, and their next film is Sing, which is also has to do with animals and whatnot. But in this film, when they were, on, I believe, on the bridge, and they're chasing that bus, the whole bus poster on the back is Sing. It's the yeah. Sing oh, poster. Yeah. And then also uh, the Minions short that we had at the beginning of the film, there was that whole gardening gnome that was in this oh, film yeah. when the dogs were getting walked at the park and whatnot and then they leave and they have like a quick two second interaction with that same gnome from the short oh, yeah and i also noticed it in universal way uh this was obviously distributed by universal pictures and there's so many calls to universal and nbc properties in it jimmy fallon um there's a billboard for jimmy fallon in it um, there's, I fr- there's a few others that it's all like very synergized universal Taylor Swift song is in it, which she's a universal artist. It's, it, they definitely, she is a universal artist. <laughs> yeah. <She is. laughs> yes. There you go. Literally. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you know, and one of, the, as, as we talk about, we'll, we'll talk about the direction, but also just really, you know, in terms of New York, um, what I liked about it was that it was, 
it was realistic enough where for those of the ones that have seen New York, you're like, okay, that is New York. And yet it was slightly like compressed and stretched up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was larger than life. So I, I appreciated the way they did that um, and, and really built out New York. And I think for every like one building in New York, they were like, all right, we'll just make three. <laughs> and it was really cool to see. I feel that's probably from the perspective of animals, too, because they're generally so much lower to the ground, so everything would seem so much taller to them in real life. I agree with you. I wanted them, uh, and I don't think they had it in the film, a moment in Times Square, like lost in Times Square. Yeah, no, they, they, they didn't have like, that. Like, for all the other cliches they did, like, I just really, that was one that I was like, come on, let's have it. Nope. All right. Times Square. Yeah. Times Square, it would have been... I think it would have been too much to recreate in the sense that, again, I have, because how do you create a heightened version? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm in a way glad they didn't try to pull that off. Yeah. I would have liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, oh, well. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I thought that they did a good job of, like, I've been to New York a lot and it made me immediately, I knew beyond the Taylor Swift song where we were like that was a great introduction because it was welcome to new york so it was very clear but also just the city they did a great job of animating it yeah i, I noticed the song happy as well mm-hmm. because uh that was big from despicable for, me too for Al williams yeah. yeah that song just blew up and then the second that they played it, i was like yeah i know what you're doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's talk about the direction um yarrow chenny and chris renaud uh Renat, Chris, he uh, started off as a graphic designer in sports, of all things. Interesting. Whether NFL, NBA, Foot Locker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and then he kind of started. He got into children's shows like uh, Bear in the Big Blue House and so forth and so. Great show. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that's kind of where his career off. I think that's great, you know, to start at like humble beginnings as that as well, and then to move into big animation features like this, um, that that really just showcases his talent and his broad range as well. What I found interesting about the production aspect of this is that because Renaud was actually in France, and then they had people here in the U.S. also working on it, so they were working on it in like two different time frames. And it could have been, like, double time that people in France were working when the people in the U.S. weren't. And so this movie was constantly being worked on. Which wow. probably sped up production. I yeah. mean, when you have that kind of thing happening, you, you're you working essentially a 24-hour cycle. So, yeah. That, but it was also, like, uh, they had a lot of Skype meetings. I mean, the, there's a whole difference when you're kind of in in the same vicinity with a person you can always meet and be like, okay, get note versus, like... I, I've dealt with a lot of Skype meetings. It's sometimes faster to be in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it has its pluses and minuses, yeah. for sure. But to have, you know, basically this movie, like, round the clock kind of being worked on, I think that's pretty admirable. Indeed. And, you know, he says that they want to portray the, the pets in a very contemporary way. Um, while they liked uh, playing with funny, very real idea that when you leave your dog, even if you come back 20 seconds later, they act like they've been gone for 24 hours. Um, And that was the lens that they wanted to showcase this entire movie from, and they they overall captured it. I felt like this movie, when you mentioned contemporary, it definitely felt like 2016, and I wondered about how it'll age as a film. Like, if in 10 years... Like, normally animated films, it's kind of... 
they're ageless in a lot of ways, and this movie really did feel like here and now, 2016. And so I, I, I did think about that when I was watching the film. I think this film could be timeless because, you know, thinking about it, I don't think there was any... Things that, like, really ages films are, like, technology or cars and whatnot. And I feel because this was more centered on pets and what they were doing rather than, like, the environment Mm -hmm. that they were actually in, I think it could be timeless. Because there really wasn't any scenes where, like, okay, they're on this computer doing this or X, Y, Z or on a certain app that would be outdated in a year, you know? Yeah. Imagine if they were on Tinder. (laughs) But for dogs. A very different movie. (laughs) I wanted to see the secret life of pets, not the everyday life of pets. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but, you know, obviously one of their other things that they had to do was make sure that all the animals were depicted like animals. The fact, you know, again, going back to Zootopia, they wear pants, they do, you know, they have shirts, this and that. And, and Zootopia, as they say, like, these, you know, they visit a whole clan of animals who are nudists. And then they make that a joke, whereas, you know, these are all just, you know, pets. They don't have clothes. Right. And I I liked the fact that the fights were over things like the dog bowl and the dog bed. Because I think that if you had two animals left alone and they could talk and they were in this kind of universe, those would be the things they would be arguing about. It's not so much about, like, and the love of attention of an owner. It's, I don't think you... It, it it puts it in the right universe, I guess is what I mean. Yeah, I, I feel like their their problems, quote unquote, would very much be pet problems rather mm-hmm. than like human problems that have to deal with so many other more bigger right. issues. Right, because in Zootopia, she's dealing with like promotions and mm-hmm. getting a job and all these things, and like a pet doesn't have to worry about that. That's kind of the notion of this whole film: is you leave the pet at home when you go to work or have your life, and what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing that they thought about really well, you know, this is a writing, writing thing as well, but also an animation thing where uh, the, you have to select the right pets. You know, even though uh, obviously a lot of America has pets, okay, how do, you, how do you select the pets? Because, you know, while you want to be encompassing and, right, we, Marissa, you talked about, like, this, this is a good melting pot. It's got good messages. But at the same time, we got to also just pick certain breeds that, scream a certain t- stereotype and we can play into that or away from that and so like um like the pug for example <laughs> you gotta know what a pug you know does and acts like and you know and the poodle right the regal poodle and yet listening to system of down so again you can play into it or play against it and i thought they did a nice job of choosing at least pets in america that we know breeds and types of dogs and all of that 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 we know well like i had an expectation of eric stone street's character i had an expectation of gidget like i just by like our you know right or wrong our stereotypes mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um I, I liked how they chose you know the the certain animals that we had to focus on it seems like they were the probably the most domesticated animals that we see on a daily basis be dog cat fish birds you know the yeah. things the animals that are probably most common in a household mm-hmm. yeah and, and, and it was it was great to see kind of the owners because when if like for example the bird um you know when that owner comes home to to see him in his t-shirt and sort of bald head and the bird lands on top of him and he's Sweet guy, but it was um, you know I enjoyed him. 
I enjoyed that character having a burn. Because <laughs> I would not have expected it. Unexpected. I, I liked him putting the food on top of his head to yeah. have the bird like peck at his head. And I was like, well, that's really sweet. <laughs> Unexpected, but sweet. I like the running joke of the hamster. Always oh, getting yeah. lost yeah. In, in the uh, He AC. made it back. Yeah, yeah I did. But the hamster also probably one of the most household domesticated animals as well. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, the, the you know the the animation a lot went into it. Um, one of the things you don't think about is sort of the lighting side of it, right? Um, you know, and they the lighting director is Terry Noble. Uh, I hope I say that correctly. It seems French, so. <laughs> um, and he says, as the lighting supervisor, my job was to lead my team to translate drawings from the artistic department into the 3D world. Our goal was to keep the beautiful pictures that the artist gave us and keep the accuracy of lights um, in those images. I mean, as an animated piece, like, I, I, thought, uh, I thought they got a lot of it right in terms of the movement, right? Again, because they're tra- they're making sure that it's not humanistic it's more animalistic and i I thought they did the movement right the lighting and you know a heightened sense of new york i thought all worked really well i agree with you i thought the um again if you're trying to create two worlds this world of domesticated pets versus wild animals they did a good job with lighting like the underground was dark and seedy and you got that feeling that like anything goes just from the environment they created and then obviously the domesticated pets you're in these realistic looking new york apartments and i i liked that that was a clear way especially for kids of showing that these were two different worlds yeah, mm-hmm. especially, you know, to that point, it's also when they were in the sewers and whatnot, it was very gray, and it was a mix of both, you know, happy and and dark at the same time. Um, and, you know, to go back to the movement of the animals, I, I thought that was pretty on point, too, because they were very self-aware that, like, they had the line where cats always land on their feet, and, you know, dogs do X, Y, and Z. And um, the what I found really interesting that they did actually you know research dogs like climbing up ladders how they would move and they actually hop instead of like one paw at a time they hop their way up a ladder and there there was the shot where the dog was climbing up the ladder yeah absolutely and uh you know going back to kind of uh i don't know if it's an earlier point but you know the notion of all these actors right the subtlety in the editing of all of this was making you know matching their voices and their tones and whatnot because you know so sometimes you're afforded where you can actually play against somebody but um in this regard uh most of it was filmed or you know in terms of recorded voices was solo and so the editor uh ken schwartzman um he you know that was that was his job to make sure that all these voices came together and i Oh, oh sorry, yeah, go no, ahead. No, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that that was something that I enjoyed most in the film was um, the myriad of voices coming together and kind of you got the sense of true friendship amongst the animals that lived in those, um, I guess, nearby apartment complex. I don't think they were all in the same apartment complex and uh, and how they were all friends. And I think that that's in large part due to the editing, that they, the timing was so great and he's responsible for all of that because if you're filming separately or taping your voices separately, that's up to the editor. Yeah, and I think also the editing pace was 
pretty um, fast as well because this is a kids' movie, so I feel things were shorter. It didn't feel like a long movie, and that's because at the end of it, I was like, "Oh wow, it's over." So I think the pacing I felt really, it was a little long for yeah. me. Yeah, like I felt the pace was very fast paced to keep and reflect with the kids' attention span these days. Because and I can easily understand all the animals, what's happening, following them from point A to point B. And I have to say, the kids in my theater were loving this movie. Like, could not get enough, thought it was hilarious, like, were really enjoying it. So, and if that was the goal to make a great kids movie, I think they absolutely accomplished that. Well, so did Minions. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, we are remiss to not have Dimitri here today, uh, because he is, uh, he knows so much about score. Um, But Alexander Desplat, he did the score for this one. He did a lot of Harry Potter stuff. Um, Moonrise Kingdom, King's Speech, Zero Dark Thirty. He's doing Rogue One coming out later this year, which we'll definitely be talking about on Anatomy of Movie. So, and Grand Budapest Hotel. So, obviously, very accomplished composer in his own right. Um, and they, the way they describe it is he went after jazz meets orchestra. Mm. Which, this mm. is, you know, like this is the result, though. I, I, I can definitely feel that because I feel like jazz is really big part of New York as well. So um, to to get that feeling of jazz and just in big world of these pets, I, I like that style, that choice, and jazz is just great. Um, also, you know, Desplat, he's a, he's done big uh, other animation films too. You know, Rise of the Guardians and whatnot. So he he's no stranger to animated films as well. Yeah, I I really thought the music, they did, again, a nice mix of music. So you started with Taylor Swift, a song that I feel like is so in pop culture right now. Like that song, you hear mm-hmm. it over and over and over again. You had songs like Happy, similarly. And then there were smaller moments where you had a score that maybe wasn't as recognizable but really fit the moment. So I thought it told the story in a really nice way. The music really accompanied the story. I mean, to me, it's similar to, like, you know, Tom and Jerry cartoons, right? In those moments when they're they're all together, um, you know, it's supposed to be that comedic side, but jazz to me also represents, like, energy right and so that's what new york has and mm-hmm. so it's the it's this energy from the city but packed with stupidity from <laughs> these animals um and I, I thought it was a nice combination um of the two overall um so i enjoyed it very much so um now as we get into the numbers of all of it um here's kind of the reason why people seem to know about this movie and why it ended up just exceeding expectations at the box office. Um, you know, we talked about PetSmart's tie into this. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. They so they had what they call a store takeover campaign and they pretty much just developed a whole line of all the animals that we see in like toy forms for for actual yeah. pets. It was a huge when I walked into PetSmart like a huge display. I can only say, like, mm-hmm. like a, you noticed this display of these animals. And I think if you were just shopping for your pet, it was a great way to bring awareness to a movie that is for your demographic. I mean, that's what they wanted, pet owners, to go see this movie, families. I think that's really smart because, like, I even have a friend who has a Dachshund 
dog, and there was a Dachshund dog in this film, and they made that toy, and that that owner got you know the the same toy for yeah. it. So I was dog. yeah, I was in there, and I was like gonna buy something else for my dog, and then saw this, and I was like, well, that and that also that gives them money too. Like it's in addition to promoting your film, it's also an added revenue stream. So. Mm-hmm. Huge revenue stream. Yeah. How much is Minions making just off of yeah. product? Yeah. So much. Um, GoPro, another sort of tie-in into the creative um, yeah. creative promotion aspect of all I of it. They had an original two-minute short, which I actually haven't seen. But, you know, GoPro is great with filming and whatnot, and that helps get the word out. Yeah, I, I have not seen it either. I'm curious about how they shot it. Is it? It sounds like it could be from a little bit of it's athletes and animated characters. Um, and so that's like a really interesting. I'm going to have to check it out after. Our I podcast. think they should have done something more simple than that. You know, um, South Park did a whole great thing where uh, they, they put a camera on a dog and the dog would just run around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I think with a GoPro, that to me seems so much. Like, like it's just a symbiosis of the two, and they, they should have just shot all these, like, dog or cat videos with the cat having the GoPro on his head. And, again, here's this, the real secret life of a pet. Yeah, yeah they actually have done that. Um, Kevin McCarthy from uh, Fox and & Friends and whatnot, he, he strapped a GoPro to his dog and left his place for five minutes, and he showed the video to everyone, like, what his dog does when he was gone. He was only gone for five minutes, but the dog went everywhere in the house. He was jumping on beds and furniture, and then when someone rang the doorbell, which was actually him, to see what the dog would do, it, it ran to the door and, like, start barking. So there are some footage out there with GoPros and their animals, but you I know, left to their own demise. Yeah, I also thought it could have been cool, like, obviously a lot of work for the animators, but to have essentially some tie-in with GoPro where you could go on, like, a virtual tour of Max's apartment. That could be cool. That would yeah. have been, been nice. Yeah. I feel like we got the whole scope of that apartment, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, McDonald's and Chrysler are other um, sort of tie-ins. Now, the, uh, the other interesting stuff, right, this makes sense, the Puppy Bowl... And the Westminster Dog Show. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> smart. You have to. <laughs> I have to say that I think I've been aware of this movie for about a year. Um, they've done really, like, a great job of building brand awareness for this, whether it's McDonald's or PetSmart or just... I think the trailer came out last year. I want to say maybe during Minions. And mm-hmm. so they had a real... Yeah, did any of you guys know what the hell the movie was actually about? No, no but I wanted to see it <laughs> yeah. based on the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, oh, it's so cute. I think that was my thought when I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, this is so cute. I want to see it. I'm, I have a pet. I love my pet. And I think that that was the entire goal of that trailer. Yeah, and they also yeah. said in interviews, uh, the director said in interviews that the the regular trailer that everyone saw was just like establishing all different animals in their own place, doing their own thing. That was one of the first things they actually animated, and that was the the only footage that they could really just show. Because that's the only thing they made, and but that's why they kept using that over and over again. Because that was the only footage. Yeah, but it was so cute though, and it was like I wanted to see this film just based on that. I think they also had a cast that was really ready to do promotion. Sometimes we talk about it. I know on our podcast that the cast really isn't out promoting it, and like I know Jenny Slate has been out promoting it. I think um, I've seen a bunch of interviews about this movie. I, I think we also, you know. Not that everyone has that's in this movie has kids, but but also we're seeing that sort of tie-in where 
um, a lot of these actors want to make a movie that their kids can see. Yeah. And this is obviously a movie that kids can see. Yeah. And um, just on like a side note, but Jenny Slate made her first appearance with Chris Evans at the premiere of this, and they brought like all their nieces and nephews, again, tying back to kids. So it wasn't like, oh, we're a new couple. It was just like they had like a sea of kids with them. So family affair. Yeah, family affair. Exactly. That's yeah. right. More to come maybe from them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Well, it was expected to make around $90 million, and oh boy, <laughs> did it. It got 104. Yeah. Um, it broke some records. The first film to open over 100 million in the United States that is not a sequel nor based on previously previously published material. I mean, yeah, an original movie. I think that that's a, a really exciting for a summer like this, where we've had so many things that are, I mean, great movies this summer, but just not such original. Uh, content and that's great i mean to have a movie that does well that's original i'm always excited about that fingers crossed for sausage party (laughs) dream (laughs) well you know come on that that seems like a good concept yeah no it'll be i'm really it just depends on the ending to guys yeah (laughs) um they showed the trailer by accident at a movie theater for sausage party before finding dory (gasps) that seems like a mistake (laughs) hopefully not the red band trailer one did they I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, and those kids are now traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> Side note of, of the story. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that does too. But there are a few original movies this summer, but a lot of them are, you know, Captain America where you have... That's not original. That's yeah, not the least original. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of them are these other things. Sequels. That are, yeah, sequels. I'm, I mean, like, good for them to open so big. Yes, it's technically an original, but it's not an original stories. Um... But Neither like, was Avatar, but they'll say it is. Like, come on! I mean, everything's based on the Lion King is Hamlet. Like yeah. at the end of the day, okay. I'm not so concerned with that. I just wish they did a little bit. Yeah, it just didn't hit in the right way for me. But yeah. Anyway, I cut you off. Oh no! It was just more so the what everyone's comparing Secret Life to is all unfortunately Disney movies because those are probably the biggest grossing ones that they have to compare these numbers to, but. Like I said before, Disney films are just so much better than this one was. Yeah, I didn't... Even the sequels are, like, this film does not hold a candle to any Disney movie. I didn't feel so much, I think, uh, that as much as I just... I had really high expectations. It's been in, like, I was aware of this movie for so long and looking forward to it that I wanted to love it, and I, I just liked it. I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, I enjoyed it. It's a fun hour its and a half. pieces are good. Yeah. But 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 what it culminates to is not that oh, awesome. Yeah, and also I think that the deeper messages in some of the Disney movies, there's a stronger message to a movie like Finding Dory. This didn't have that like strong backbone of But a even message. Toy Story like it doesn't have that great of a I don't know, that great of a message, but when Woody finally gets Buzz and 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 Woody at the end of the movie, Nothing really needs to be said, and it's just—it's it, just such a cute moment in the way they do it. Where, you know, now it's—I think it's Christmas time, and the toys, and they get a dog or whatnot. Like, it's just a great moment. Versus this, like, she just comes home, she gives him a hug, and it's all great. It just—it should have felt a little bit more powerful, more impactful. And for yeah. some reason, it just did. I don't—I don't—I can't place my finger on it. I wonder I if I loved the first Toy Story, don't get me wrong, but with by the time we got to Toy Story 3, I was so invested in these characters and, and the relationships amongst them that I wonder if 
if they keep going with the sequels, if I'll become more invested in these characters. Maybe it'll just take time to get there. I don't know. Hey, hey, listen, you know, I'm at a point. Like I said, I I would go see a sequel, Mm -hmm. you know, and does it need to be the same characters? I don't know. I think it could be different characters. I'm okay with that. But if they choose to do these characters too, then by all means, you know, I'm in either way. Yeah. I want them to at least have one or two of the characters from this and, like, spin off. I feel like maybe spin off or introduce some new characters and then get some out. I'm not sure. Uh, well, you could you could stay... The nice part is they're, they're all in these apartments, so, you know, one owner can move away, yeah. and then we got the new, new guy. Yeah. I feel like there are a million ways... Like, just the title of the movie, The Secret Life of Pets, there's a million ways you can go with this. And it, for sequels, and they can have this go on and on and on if they so choose. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I find it interesting how, now just thinking about it, that they basically had adult comedians voice these characters. And if you're trying to garner towards the younger demographic as well, I think it would have been smart to have, like, a bunch of you know, teenage actors who are, like, big in Disney and whatnot and have them actually voice these characters. Because I don't think in whatever age you are as an actor really affected the storyline or how you hit a certain joke. Oh, I also really wanted a puppy in this movie. Maybe that's... Mm. Yeah, like, maybe that's where the teenage like, character comes maybe in. Maybe the younger voice to cater to the younger demographic. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought Gidget was pretty much a puppy in the sense that she was so <laughs> naive. But she had a tough side. <laughs> she did. She, I mean, she did, and maybe so does a puppy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just I wanted, like... I feel like a puppy is even more hyperactive. Like, it would just be an added element. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Max, we got pictures of Max as a puppy. Oh, that was cute. <laughs> uh, so. For like two seconds. Yeah. All right. Well, final thoughts on The Secret Life of Pets. Marissa? I mean, it was fun. It was cute. I would definitely recommend this to my nieces and nephews. Um, as an adult, if you're trying to look at it as a full, completed story, if you're trying to get, like, character invested in it you're not going to it will appear to the uh, appeal to the kids but not to the adults yeah it's a great kids movie i again the kids in my theater really seem to enjoy it Uh, there were moments for me that i thought were excellent and other moments that i felt like could use a little work but overall an enjoyable film okay yeah uh, i'm right there with you guys so there it is what else can i say um, let us know your guys' thoughts in the comment section below. would love to talk more about it with you guys, what you thought, favorite scenes, favorite moments. Um, that's what the comment section is there for. We get the conversation started, uh, and we get to continue it online. That's the beauty. So um, whether now or in the future, just, just leave a comment. That's what it's all about. Also, uh, thank you guys for joining us. As I mentioned, you can download the rundown in the description box. Um, and also you can talk with Marissa at Serafini TV. That's right. At Stephanie Wenger. Yep. And at the Popcorn Talk. Thank you guys for joining us. This was a nice little remix song in the movie. I enjoyed it. Um, that's right. Listen to it. It's like old school Will Smith. Super fun. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. It brought back some memories. Um, so thank you guys for joining us. We'll be doing, um... Dave and Mike and Dave. Mike and Dave need wedding dates. 
Next week, we've got Ghostbusters. After that, Star Trek Beyond. Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne. We've got... We've got Sausage Party, which I mentioned. I'm looking forward to that. That'll, that movie will depend on how it ends, whether or not it's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see Dare it. Say sure. a happy ending. So. <laughs> oh, Marissa. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, and of course, we've got tons of other movies coming up as well. And also, we've got a history of movies that you can definitely check out. Uh, we did The Shallows. We did The BFG. That's what we talked about Zootopia within this show. We did Zootopia, so definitely check that out if you're interested. And, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.